Blog Talk Radio. This land is mine. God gave this land to me. This brave and ancient land to me. Happy Shabbat. Uh, welcome to uh, Yada Yada Radio. I'm here with uh, Kirk this evening. And uh, Kirk, we do have another book that has been uh, published. Uh, Jackie is continuing to do a wonderful job, the editing team as well. Um, and we have Harvest uh, uh, now um, on the bookshelf. So uh, two-thirds of the Micrae are completed with the uh, first uh, one called McRae um, Invitations. Uh, it covers uh, Pesach, Matzah, and Makutam. It's, I think, about 650 pages. So it's a it's a thorough presentation of Pesach, Matzah, and mm-hmm. Makutam. And then the next one, Harvest. Harvest covers uh, Shabua and Teruah. Uh, and then right now I'm um, about 80%, maybe a little more, uh, finished with the final uh, chapters of uh, what will be Moed uh, appointments, and um, in fact, what I'm going to do here, and I'm sorry there's a little bit of a curveball here, uh, Kirk, but I was translating something uh, late this afternoon, or actually early this evening, uh, time flies when you're uh, doing this, uh, that was particularly interesting because one of the uh, more... Um, adventurous, uh, um, unique, uh, uncommon references that I have made is that there are uh, mikre, for example, like matzah and another one like Yom Kippurim, where Yahweh specifically asks us to approach and come near the Isha or Ishe, depending on how you wish to vocalize it. And I uh, Isha and Ishe, uh, if it's Ishe, it's, the, it's uh, the feminine of Ish. Ish is the Hebrew word for fire. When Yahweh appeared to Moshe, for example, uh, on the top of Mount uh, Horeb, uh, he was manifest his nature as an Ish. Um, and Isha is just the feminine nature, uh, the feminine manifestation of God's fiery light, um, which would enlighten uh, and would purify and would elevate. 
So, uh, and if it's Isha, it's the feminine aspect of God's nature. Uh, and so that is the way that uh, I rendered that instruction, come into the feminine manifestation of Yahweh's uh, light. And I've never had any way to validate uh, that my conclusion was correct other than I was very systematic. Each time that I would do it, I would explain all the options and walk people through all of the detail that led to that conclusion. So you were, you were informed and had the opportunity to agree or disagree, but at least you understood how I came to that conclusion. Well, this afternoon, uh, to my great surprise, Yahweh actually validated the association of Isha with the spirit. So I want to walk you through a little bit of how I came to that, then we'll return to where we were last week. Please, yes. Uh, but but this, is, this is fairly significant as it relates to how we are to observe matzah and kapuram. So I thought I'd, I'd go ahead and share this. It, uh, Malachi exists uh, um, to do two things. It's like Zachariah in the sense that it is a presentation of the fulfillment of Yom Kippur. So Yom Kippurim is presented in terms of what leads to it, what happens during it, what happens after it, how it's going to be fulfilled, uh, who is doing what uh, during the fulfillment of it. it. This day is so important to Yahweh that he goes to just great lengths to make us aware so we're not surprised as to what's going to uh, uh, transpire on Kippurim and recognizing that the whole purpose of Teruah, which is the chapter that we were on last week, is to encourage Yahweh's children, particularly Yisrael and Yahudim, to capitalize on this marvelous offer that is uh, the Day of Reconciliations. So um, that one difference with uh, Malachi is that Malachi is a, in addition to presenting the fulfillment of, of Yom Kippur, mm -hmm. it explains specifically what the chosen people have to be reconciled from. And uh, the first and uh, up to this point where I'm going to begin, uh, which is the eighth statement of the second chapter, all God has done thus far is excorciate rabbis. It is open season on rabbis, and everything that you could imagine that is anti-rabbi, God has said. He has called them out every which way. And really inside jabs, the kinds of things that if you were not a rabbi or a Herodim, an, an Orthodox Jew, you wouldn't even understand the dick. But if you understand Orthodox Judaism, what God says just goes right to your heart. So let me begin. As for you, you have turned from the way. I'm speaking to rabbis and those who mm -hmm. are Orthodox Jews. You have caused many to stumble. Rabbis are the reason innumerable have faltered. And why did I put rabbis? Because you have caused many to stumble is kashal rabim. 
rabbis yeah. are, are the reason. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, innumerable have faltered and fallen, leading to their downfall, making countless feeble and weak. By way of your Torah, your Torah teaching. Oh, interesting. Yeah. See, when when you're when a religious Jew says they are Torah observant, when they say Torah, Torah, Torah. They're not speaking of the Torah that Yahweh conveyed in writing through Moshe. They're talking about their oral Torah. They call it the Torah of the mouth, which is really interesting because uh, God actually says, your problem is the Torah of the mouth. But, they, you know, the rabbinical really- claim, which is, which is right up there with the claims of Scientology and Mormonism, uh, is that that in addition to the Torah that Yahweh revealed and placed in writing with Moshe, 1450 BCE, 3,450 years ago, at the same time, there was an oral Torah. And what's interesting about the oral Torah is that the written Torah says there's nothing more. And there is no reference of any kind to an oral Torah unless it is to discredit it. And, of course, the first evidence that we have of the oral Torah is circa 200 CE, 1,650 years thereafter. So, and, and even when it comes out, it's not in the voice of Moshe as Dabadim or in the voice of Yahweh as are the first four books. No, it's in the voice of rabbis who didn't even exist at the time. But that is their claim, that there was a Torah of the mouth. So God says, you have caused many to stumble by way of your Torah instructions. You corrupt and invalidate the family covenant relationship of the Loi. Singular, says Yahweh, of the assembled and helpful envoys. Well, who is the Loi? If you're going to have... The covenant relationship of the Loi, and it's Loi singular, who are we talking about? Moshe. Moshe. Moshe is the Loi. Furthermore, I myself will give you over to being despised, to being discredited and seen as having no value, to be perceived as vile, contemptible, despicable, and worthless, seen as an object of scorn, even hated, and to being abased, humbled, and humiliated, to being diminished in stature, to being degraded and belittled as cultural outcasts. For the sake of all of the people, and so much as that which you have related by your mouth is unobservant of my ways. Therefore, you respect and honor lifting up the presence of your Torah. Is there not one Father for all of us? Did not one God create us? So God has so why are we unfaithful and unreliable, even unscrupulous and untrustworthy toward our brethren? each violating and defiling the covenant relationship of our fathers. 
Yahuda has been unscrupulous and untrustworthy and has engaged and acted in abhorrent and loathsome ways in Israel and in Jerusalem. Indeed, Yehuda is in violation of the agreement and has discredited and defiled that which is set apart unto Yahweh. This is because he, Yehuda, loves and is ruled by Lord Baal within the house of a foreign god. Yahweh will cut off the individual who engages in this, either as a witness providing testimony or one who responds from camping out with Jacob when the offering is presented to approach and to be present and to be present with Yahweh. And this another thing. You do not you uh, you cover Yahweh's altar with tears and expressions of sorrow, bitterly shrieking and groaning because of your adversarial nature, your narrow-mindedness, and your troublesome experiences, such that there is no longer any attention paid to or regard for the presence of the gift which has been afforded, nor any desire to receive it with your hand. But God is saying, is you're so into your, yourselves and your God-forsaken religion, you've gone so far down that rabbit hole, you can't even see that I've offered you the gift of reconciliation. You don't even know it's there. In fact, you're so miserable, you view it as a day of affliction, as a day of punishment, not a time of joy. But you ask, what is the problem? Upon the grounds that, this is God's answer, Mm -hmm. that Yahweh has repeatedly testified, providing a thoughtful connection between you and between such that you might understand the feminine manifestation of God's fiery light, which empowers, enlightens, and elevates Isha. When you were younger, with whom you have been unfaithful, betraying her. And yet she is your companion, providing fellowship. She is the one you should associate with as a friend and marriage partner, your covenant partner. Did you, did then the prophet asked, did he not engage as one? Did he not act and work as one and as a soul in corporeal fashion himself as related can through the approach of his spirit? And why was the one inquiring about and seeking godly offspring? Why did he want to sow the seeds that would lead to children? Therefore, you should be observant, closely examining and carefully considering Everything with the Spirit and through the Spirit and with the feminine manifestation of God's fiery light, which empowers and enlightens, even elevates, none of you should betray. God is is saying, 
that he is one, and yet he presented himself corporeally with the soul Mm -hmm. and as spirit, and that he was as one, did all of these things seeking offspring. And therefore, we should be especially observant, considering every aspect of this through the spirit and with the spirit, because the feminine manifestation of God's fiery light is someone we should not betray. So that's a a very complex um, concept, but it strikes me as validation that there is a direct association between the Isha and the set-apart spirit of Yahweh, and that God as one fulfilled his Pesach promise through the corporeal manifestation uh, as uh, it was um, handled, it was uh, enabled through the spirit. So anyway, that's what I was working on. I've uh, written most of the commentary on that, and I'll share, save that for another uh, time. But oh my, um, those are the, uh, that's what's leading to uh, the fulfillment of Kippurim, and God was kind enough to explain what it means to come into the presence of the Isha on Yom Kippurim by that very statement. Do you, do you get blown away sometimes by how quick everything is lining up? It seems to me, because I'm, I'm looking from the outside, well, I do have a little bit of an inside view, but mm-hmm. uh, is these things are just uh, like coming in rapid fire, and especially in the last two years. I'm just in yeah, the questions there is you that, ask. Yeah, they, you know, we are, uh, I think, right now in the last of the Teruah chapters as we jump to. And so that means uh-huh. there's four or five Kippurim chapters that are filled with insights um, mm-hmm. that uh, we would not have been able to fathom even a year ago. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, yes, they, the connections are coming very quickly. Um, the, the denunciations of rabbinic Judaism through the Yom Kippurim chapters. Everything that Yahweh has to say about Yom Kippurim is reconciliation is necessary because of Judaism. That Judaism is what has caused you to be Jews as opposed to Yehudim. And that, uh, that so long as you are religiously Jewish as opposed to ethnically Jewish, then there is no hope of reconciliation. Uh, and that to be ethnically Jewish, there is that hope should you disavow the rabbis. And I did not know enough, I guess, about them and their claims to be able to identify mm-hmm. with, uh, with all of this previously. Um, you know, being married to a Jewish woman uh, has certainly, who is Torah observant, by the way, and not and not her Torah, but uh, actually, they, yeah, they, uh, in fact, uh, Jewish women are not allowed to read the Talmud. Uh, and, you know, a rabbi <laughs> wakes up, good. yeah, a, a Orthodox Jew wakes up every morning. His first prayer of the day is, thank God I'm not a woman. Uh, so, uh, you know, these, these guys are just creeps, although they, they do look awfully effeminate to me. So I, maybe their prayer is mistaken. Um, but, but God, 
I, I did not think that I would ever be in the position where I was this outspoken against Judaism, but nonetheless, that's where it has taken us. And, and yes, the insights that have been derived from studying his testimony over the last even three or four months have been profound uh, at, at, at an exponential level beyond what we had previously ex experienced. And, you know, I look over now on the bookshelf and you go to yadayad.com and you can look at the bookshelf. I think there's 19 books and we'll soon have the, uh, the 20th. I would think within two weeks we'll have the, uh, the 20th. Uh, so we have come a long way. It's been a, a major undertaking by the uh, edit team and uh, um, our fact checkers and our, uh, mm -hmm. our copy editors and um, our, uh, our webmaster and internet uh, uh, team and, and, uh, and of course Jackie for coordinating it all and, uh, and you know it's, I'm in this chair 10 hours a day so we're we are really devoted to getting this out and uh, even the uh, the gentleman that uh, is a senior with uh, Amazon in terms of overseeing the publishing of the mm -hmm. books, he had a conversation with Jackie today, and he says, you know, I read and look at hundreds and hundreds of books every day. And he says, it's very seldom that I would tell somebody that uh, from covers to the inside presentation that uh, your books are really among the very best. They are beautifully done. Uh, exceedingly professional. I just want you to know that that um, looking at your books, they're as good as any that we have uh, at Amazon. So that wow. was uh, that was really quite a compliment to to and again the whole team because this was a uh, this was a group effort to create this new look and uh, and readability inside. So I'd encourage everybody, you know, go to. Uh, to Yada Yada at um, uh, just go to the yadayah.com site and it's a direct link to, uh, to Amazon for the books. You can buy um, Kindle books. Uh, you, uh, there's an electronic version that you can have on a tablet that uh, you can also get on our site. You can read the, all of our books free on your tablet or computer or phone. And of course, you can go to the Amazon site. And they're surprisingly inexpensive for the quality of the book and the size of the, uh, of the book. Um, so, um, so the next one out is uh, going to be Moed. One of the things I did this week is I laid out all of the rest of the books. I took everything that I had ever written and I converted it to the new format, uh, paginated it, put it into a volume, determined what was uh, unsalvageable because it was just too uh, New Testament oriented. And, uh, mm -hmm. and so occasionally I will quote a little from the Olivet Discourse, a little from the Sermon on the Mount, um, and a little from Revelation if there's a direct affirmation of it uh, in, sure, in a, yeah. from, another, yeah, from another prophet. Uh, and so I, I went through everything that was, uh, was redeemable uh, and put them all into volumes. We went all the way through. So now we have all the way through volume 12 of Yada Yada, um, reworked uh, what will be uh, the volumes of uh, an introduction to God, put everything we had to say about the Torah into two volumes of Yada Yada, taking it out of an introduction to God. I think it fits better in Yada Yada. Um, it's going to come after, those volumes will come after the Moed 
volume that I'm working on right now. And it ends uh, with uh, Babel, which is the last days uh, in the history of those, the transition of the various beasts from Babylon all the way to the Roman Catholic Church. So that's where we are. We, we've got it all laid out at this pace that we're on. It's probably still another year and a half worth of work before we get to the end of all of the rewrites and retranslations. But, oh, thank, thank Leah. She was the one that came to me and said I wouldn't give uh, your books now to, uh, uh, to a Jewish friend. Uh, and she said it, you know, I says, you know, when I first encountered them, I, I, I didn't eat, I didn't shower, I didn't sleep. I read them for days on days on days on end, uh, and they transformed my life. Uh, but based upon what we know now, if you go back and read your earliest book, you're not going to like what you read. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she was right. It was a fair criticism. Yeah. Yeah, and it mainly it, it we didn't try to deceive anybody. It's just that I um, I had already rid them of Paul, so I did that in the first seven edits uh, through the material. Yes. But uh, I, you know, we've come to understand Yahweh's devotion to the Messiah, who is Dot, his uh, son, who is Dot, who is the one who is returning, and so we had to reflect Dod's role. Uh, and the prophecies pertaining to Dode uh, throughout the, those earlier books. Mm-hmm. And then there's just been a lot of other insights that we have gleaned along the way and, and come to a real appreciation, uh, a honed understanding of what the Micrae represent of, of the covenant and uh, the Torah itself and uh, God's relationship to his people. So uh, it has been a, a labor of love, and that, that particular thing I just shared with you without the commentary is uh, – is something that I'll try to complete that thought uh, uh, and the analysis of the whole thing uh, tomorrow and, and over the next couple of days, hopefully get that chapter done. And then I'm on to, to uh, Sukkah. And once I finish the Sukkah chapter, we'll have another volume ready to, uh, to print. So let's return now uh, to uh, two statements before so we pick it up in context where we were uh, a week ago. Uh, God speaking of the fulfillment of Teruah uh, through my favorite prophet, uh, who is Yashaya. Um, I think I'm uh, Yashaya's uh, favorite student. Uh, we seem to have a, a really good relationship. Um, Yashaya uh, wrote, Then those who are right, Sadak, those who are vindicated, righteous, and just, who are correct and in accord with the standard and thus upright, will vanish. Their whereabouts unknown, Abad, they're going to disappear, such that those who remain will not know where they have gone. And no one will give it any thought. Not one individual will take it to heart, will examine what may have occurred, with no one pondering the portent. Now, that, by the way, says two different things, both of which are relevant. The first thing Mm -hmm. it says is that it's really true that that neither uh, Jews nor Christians have any understanding of what these prophecies foretell. They, they just don't know. They, they don't get it. They, they don't. Jews are so tied up in the, uh, in the minutia of their Talmud and Christians with their New Testament that even when they go to what they would call an Old Testament, 
all they can do is to try to make everything about their Christ, to try to give him some yeah. legitimacy about themselves. And so no one understands what God is talking about here, that the people who are vanishing are the ones who are right. To be right, you have to be consistent and correct with his Torah teaching. And so that excludes all religious Jews and all Christians, as well as all socialist, secular humanists. So no one's going to understand that. And second, there's going to be so much carnage and so much destruction and so much despair and so much fake news, conspiracies, mm-hmm. that it's, it's just going to get lost amongst all of that. You know, you could have a tragedy in the middle of uh, when COVID was the lead story. It's about ready to be the lead story again with the Delta variant. Uh, And and what you had was the death ticker. I mean, every newspaper, every news program began with, well, another 175,000 people uh, conducted COVID today and uh, 2,753 died. The total death count in the world and in America is it was it was the death ticker. And so things are going to be so bad that thousands of people are going to vanish and no one's going to notice or care. Loyal and devoted individuals will be harvested, gathered together and taken away. Well, no one makes the connection to comprehend what has occurred. This is just so amazingly clear and well-written. For indeed... From the presence of this disastrous calamity and miserable suffering, such wickedness and wrongdoing, those who are correct will be taken away. <laughs> How about that for a clear explanation of the Teruah harvest? Works for me. Yes. And so God isn't saying here, I'm going to take them away when everything is peachy keen. No, they're going to be taken out of a disastrous calamity, a horrible time when things are so bad that people aren't going to even notice the disappearance of a few thousand people. So, friends, with that tells me, it's not much of a chance this is going to happen in the fall of 2026. Possible, but I don't think it's going to happen in 2027. If, uh, based upon this, and, you know, I'm extrapolating, we do not know the year. We can we can deduce the year to the fall of 2020 Rua on 2026, 27, 28, or 29. One of those four days. So I can narrow it down to four days. I can't tell you which one of those four days. And quite frankly, I'm not sure I want to know. All I can tell you is I'm hoping it's the last one. Mm-hmm. We've got plenty of time in eternity. What we don't have yeah. is plenty of time here to convey God's message to his people. So the later we go, by far, the better it is. And that means it's a shorter period of time, by the way, if if it is in September of 2029, it's only six months before Elia and his uh, pal, partner, uh, show up Mm -hmm. on Passover the following year. So that part is also... Yeah, so that's also uh, reassuring. By the way, there's a really interesting thing that when they show up, you know what what, Mm -hmm. uh, hovers above them the whole time? Well, I know now. It's the Torah. Yeah, 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 flying flying scroll scroll of the Torah. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Yeah. Uh, Does that mean there's no bodies? 
to be found? Oh, I don't know. I mean, what is another body uh, amongst all the carnage that um, uh, the world okay, is going to perceive? Yeah. Do, do I know? You know, I think it would actually be... Um, uh, Disintegrated? Yeah. My, no, I don't know. I mean, it, I don't know what God's going to do with the I don't really care what God does with the body. I don't know. I, I got uh, you. I got uh, you. And, and I can tell you that our, our departure isn't going to mean anything to anybody. That's what it says right here. So I don't have to worry about it. Uh, all we have to worry about is we can throw our hearts out between now and then. Yes. Right? So <laughs> that would yes, be sir. a good thing. Um, yes, sir, yeah, 57.2. And then he will arrive. And then he will arrive. So there's not a lot of time between and then they're gone and then he will arrive. <clears throat> Then he will arrive, entering into and including among the reconciled, the tranquil, the prosperous, the safe and saved. They will be spiritually allied with his restful environs, walking in a manner which is right, honest, fitting, and proper with her. So very soon thereafter, and then he will arrive entering into and included among the reconciled, the tranquil, prosperous, safe, and saved. They will be spiritually allied within his restful environs, walking in a manner which is right, honest, fitting, profit, and proper with her. Uh, we can cool. yeah, yeah. Uh, try to ascertain <clears throat> who he is, uh, but uh, personally, I, I don't think this is speaking of the arrival of, uh, of Dode, uh, although it could be. I think it's more likely, although it's, it's very possible that he's speaking of Dode, could also be speaking of the arrival of Elia um, prior to Dode's arrival. But as for you all, this is where we were um, at the conclusion of our program last week. But as for you all who are present, here and now, you are the children of fortune tellers who are blowing smoke. You're the seed of adultery and prostitution. So as for all of you who are present, this is Karab, who are offering your legal retort here and now, Henna at this time and place. You are the children of fortune tellers are, and are blowing smoke. This is Beni Anan, sons of those casting obscure spells, pretending to foretell the future, clouded judgments, conjuring up a respect for the dead while converting with evil spirits and making things appear to be other than what they actually are. The seed, the offspring of Naaf, of those who are unfaithful by being religious and prostitution, whereby you accept money for being unfaithful, luring others away from loving relationships. It is, uh, I mm -hmm. think, interesting, uh, Kirk, to uh, yeah. recognize that that this is very um, rabbinic. Uh, the rabbis uh, actually worship. And there's really no other word for it. They worship dead rabbis. 
Uh, you know, oh, when, yeah. they, when there was that, that yeah. I don't know if it was 50 or 100, whatever it was, uh, um, I think it was 50, um, uh, Jews, Orthodox Jews that were uh, killed because the scaffolding uh, fell when they, they stampeded one another uh, during a, a festival they were attending. Well, they were going to the gravesite of the rabbi who is credited with the Zohar. And, and there was going to be like 150,000 ultra-Orthodox Jews going there uh, to celebrate the death of this rabbi uh, circa 200 CE. Uh, they make pilgrimage to the Ukraine to celebrate rabbis. They, they celebrate the death of the uh, uh, Lord of the Good Name, Baal uh, Shem Tov. Uh, they revere the dead. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's, so it's overwhelming. They study and speak of rabbis as if the words of the rabbis were scripture. And if, if you're a, a, the inspiration for scripture, you're being worshipped as if you were a god. And that's what's happened in rabbinic Judaism. They have replaced Yahweh with dead gods in the form of men. You know, they've joined the other religions. Uh, the Jesus Christ of Christendom is... Uh, Modeled after Paul. Totally worshipped. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, modeled after Paul. Uh, and the uh, Allah of Islam is Muhammad's alter ego. Mm -hmm. So they've joined the uh, the other gods, the other religions. Uh, as, I read as I read this, uh, uh, Yana, I... Uh -huh. uh, it's so all the translations will say sorcery and and adultery, prostitution, and so forth. And it's in the if you if you look up each one of the words individually, they'll they'll come up with the same thing. That they, and it's it's all uh, idolatrous worship, and it stays mm -hmm. so in the thing. But no one no one will broach it that way. I, and I don't understand how it could be missed so much. I know they I know that scholars refuse to lose their um, their status, uh, and they're terribly afraid of that, and they can't function, and they can't lose their jobs, and such and such. So they just go along with it. But this is so obvious, even in a in a poor English translation, it's mm -hmm. very obvious what Yahweh was complaining about. I just, How many uh, wives did uh, Moshe have? How many wives did Moshe have? One or two? Well, let's see. He had he had uh, he had two at least. Yeah, two. I don't know what um, he had. If he yeah. had anything in Egypt, we don't yeah. know about. It. Yeah. Um, uh, how about uh, yeah, it's true. Um, how about uh, the, uh, Yahweh's favorite person of all time, Dode? Oh, he had quite a few. Eight, maybe a dozen. Yeah, eight. Eight, okay. eight wives. That's eternal. Uh, uh, and then uh, have if, if so, more than one by the Christian and religious definition would be adultery. Uh, he had eight, and on top of that, he had uh, ten concubines. Yes. So if God were saying that uh, adultery in the sense of the way the word is viewed in English, which would be a non-monogamous marriage, uh -huh. is, yeah. uh, is a concern to him, then the person that he said was right, and is the example we should follow, would be wrong. Wouldn't right after. Yes, that's right. Yes. Yeah. So.
God, God's not issue is, is, is not, a metaphor. Right, yeah. is not adultery. It's a, it's a metaphor that we understand is that being unfaithful. And listen, Dode could have uh, eight wives and still commit adultery by, um, by not taking care of, not supporting, not being truthful with uh, any one of his wives. And so it's still possible that a person with eight wives could, uh, could commit an adulterous act, but the adultery is not the way that we um, view it. I think to a large degree, Yahweh made man a, uh, a non-monogamous being. I, I, if you read the story of, of, of most of the people in his Torah and Prophets, uh, monogamy isn't, isn't stressed, and I think it's, to a large degree, it's not the, the nature of men. Um, uh, that doesn't mean that you don't treat your wife or girlfriend or whoever you're with with the utmost respect. And today, it's a real good idea to have a monogamous relationship because there's a lot of getchy goomies out there that you want to be really careful of. Uh, but truth, truth, truth is an important thing. And um, yeah. uh, what God is using adultery here as na'af is being unfaithful from a religious point of view, uh, chasing after false gods. And he uses the term prostitution, not in the sense of, uh, of being a pimp and having a, uh, a slew of whores. Uh, no, it's, it's to accept money while being unfaithful. Yes. Luring others from what should be a loving relationship to have a meaningless relationship. Prostitution well, is being paid to be a religious cleric. Yeah, every scholar does that. That's why they won't, they won't give up their money and tell the truth. I mean, you're the only one that didn't do it for a money motive. Therefore, you're not bound. To, you, you know, and you started out with, I'm going to go where the words lead. Yeah. Now, I would I've not been have reading known a whole this, lot this week. Yeah. until no, I, uh, I, I searched it. But one of the things I searched was how do rabbis make money? And you know the number one way that rabbis make money is by selling well, uh, Feet. Selling, oh, no, yeah, right. selling, selling blessings. The richest rabbi is worth hundreds of millions of dollars, uh, was anyway, uh, for uh, selling blessings. You, you paid him money and he would give you a blessing. Your life would be better. So he is a, a fortune teller that you pay money to. So a prostitute uh, fortune teller. One of the people that paid him uh, repeatedly to give him a better future uh, didn't get the better future when killed him, so he's just not with us anymore. <laughs> but and I guess he wasn't very good at predicting at predicting his own future. But nonetheless, there you go. So they sell their blessings. So this is uh, uh, you know by promoting their Talmud, their Mishnah, their uh, Zohar over the Torah, they are anon, blowing smoke, clouding the issue. Yeah. You know, in the Babylonian Talmud, there are copious reports of rabbis anon casting spells but their anon judgment is obscured especially when they anon conjure up respect for the dead all but worshiping the rabbis who have uh deceived before them so yeah was yeah you know I'm rabbis sure. are anon they're converting with their evil spirits they're anon pretending to be what they are not powerful term yeah 
So what was it you you had a point you wanted to make, or did I, uh, did I distract no, you to the point no, you I, forgot? I, I think that's it. I was just I, I just <laughs> didn't put a red flag to people to people to have a little bit of a brain. These people are very smart as a group, mm-hmm. uh, and it doesn't it doesn't this sorcery and stuff never comes up. They never think about that. No, see, I mean it's the just, pro- the it's just you're just so with, afraid. The problem with rabbinic Judaism is particularly in its most popular form, which is the Herodim and the Hasidic, the ultra-Orthodox, uh-huh. is that the religion demands that they stay off the Internet. So they can't listen to what we have to say. They can't read what we uh, have come to know. They are not ever uh, reading the actual Torah and Prophets. They spend their entire time reading the uh, the Babylonian Talmud and the the nature of the religion it's a full-time job that the Talmud tells you uh, what to say in the morning which thank God I'm not wasn't born a woman it tells you uh, what side of the bed to get up on how to wipe your uh, bottom what to do if you were to see a, a mouse uh, you know how you uh, sit down for a meal what you can eat what you can eat uh, you know, how are you supposed to turn on a, a light? It, it is everything. Oh, it is a total uh, uh, that sucks in every yeah. aspect of your life. And so they never get out of that. And if you never get out of it, if you don't look for, and you won't even consider anything that explains this is really stupid. And by the way, the gods you claim that you are serving by this absurd religion hate you. Hate you. He will go on to say, you are so disgusting to me that I'm going to cover you with the entrails and the dung of the very animals that you're sacrificing. How revolting you are to me. They are Anon. God despises rabbinic Judaism. And of course, the whole concept in Israel of rabbinic Judaism is that the rabbis have demanded that they have the sole power to determine who is and is not Jewish. And DNA isn't in their vocabulary. They don't give a hoot what your DNA says if you're Jewish or not Jewish. The only care is, are you Orthodox or not? If you're a Reformed Jew, no, you're not Jewish. Unless you're ultra-Orthodox, you do not qualify in, uh, in Israel as a Jew. So it is the rabbis who have denied Jews the real meaning of their name, Yehudim beloved of Yah, Mm -hmm. by defining Jews, they have eliminated the original term, Yehudim. The product of spiritual adultery, the rabbis have become prostitutes, and make no mistake, Yahweh is describing today's rabbis. There is no one else present at this time and place who would otherwise qualify for this scathing indictment. Moreover, as we've seen, it is a perfect fit. Size 
infinitesimal small and available only in black. The rabbis are exalted ones, see themselves as being in control. They present their words as law. They will actually claim that their Torah is the oral law. And of course, it is rabbinic law. Six hundred years before the term rabbi was first applied by men, by religious zealots, Yahweh asks, over whom and upon what basis are you effeminate and overly sensitized individuals exploiting and mocking? Mm-hmm. Manifesting Anag. feminine, Anag. yeah. Anag, yeah. yeah. Manifesting uh, feminine attributes, more like women yeah. than men, verbally ridicule and exploiting the sensitivities of others while finding yeah. pleasure and being pampered by the resulting luxury. Against whom and over what do you open your mouth and boast, sticking out your tongues? Are you not the children of rebellion who rose up in clear defiance of authority, the seed of vain and useless liars and mistaken beliefs? Ouch. Rabbis, beware. I mean, God has your number. And you're not going to like his call. He has exposed the rabbis and laid them bare. Yeah, that's your is tough. Yeah. Over whom and on what basis are you effeminate and overly sensitized individuals exploiting and mocking? Against what and over whom do you open your mouths and boast, sticking out your tongues? Are you not the children of rebellion who rose up in defiance of authority, the seed of vain and useless liars and mistaken beliefs? You you would think that since Yahshua is the great Isaiah scroll, they've got a whole shrine to just this one scroll, that as the greatest of the prophets, yeah. and I'm going to by the greatest of the prophets, Yahweh said there is a way that Moshe was the greatest and that he liberated the children of Israel uh, from the oppressive nature of Mitzrayim and took them to the promised land and was the prophet through whom he revealed his Torah. Okay, so I mean, that's pretty tough to beat. That, 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 that's, a nice, <laughs> that's a nice resume. You know, if you like that kind of stuff, that's a really impressive resume. I mean, actually, I really like, uh, I'm not being, of course being silly here. Because I, I, love, I love Moshe. I, I, the more you read about Moshe, <clears throat> the more you come to, uh, to admire the guy's intellect, his backbone, his courage, his character, his, uh, his wit. He was a remarkable guy. But, <clears throat> you know, it's just when it comes to just a pure prophecy. You know, let's leave all that other stuff. Uh, I, you know, standing up for your people against uh, the most powerful country on earth as an 80-year-old and, uh, and saving maybe 600,000 uh, of, of your brethren and taking them to, uh, to safety and then revealing to the world the most important book ever written. Okay, that's, I, I get it. That's really impressive. But just as a pure prophet and just as a prophet, Yasha is my guy. And you look yeah. at all of the great prophecies and we, in fact, that we have 
you know, the entire Yasha Yah scroll intact among the Dead Sea Scrolls. Why is it? Because it that, needs to be said to hear this yeah, time. Why, why is it these guys can't read it? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think Yahweh explains it through Yasha Yah, and he says, you know, I've, I'm so tired of what you've done, I'm just going to blind you to the whole thing. You know, but it, here it is. I was thinking about, uh-huh. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I was thinking about that today, about I was doing a little study on, on the words and how they've changed them. I was thinking in terms of the rabbis have changed mm-hmm. everything from the, the letters in particular that are so simple to read. I mean, there's a nog uh, with, a, with a gimel at the end pointing the other direction. If they hadn't mm-hmm. changed the original lettering, mm-hmm. they could never pull this off. They, they not only changed the words. They changed the letters. They changed everything about it, and then they accent it so you can't pronounce it, so you can't pronounce its name. This is just total mutiny. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Nog, awful. Nog has the person walking away from their children. Yeah. Right? Walk, walking in the wrong uh, yeah. direction. I mean, it's, it's right. the second. Walking in the wrong direction, said, which no. would be away, away, because the, the nun is the second away letter. The They're walking, yeah. Yeah, walking from the children. Yeah. Which is what God's complaint so just, is. You're you're killing your own children. Yeah. The children of rebellion, or the children that you know walking away. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Nag is uh, is very clear what it. Uh, what so I mean, it you can't miss it. It's nothing about your translation that is uh, incorrect that I can find. In fact, is is just right on the money, and anybody could yeah. pick it up if they look. You know, it's one thing too that. Um, over these last uh, couple, three months, as, uh, particularly as I began to do uh, Teruah and Kaporam, uh, it has been a wholesale onslaught against rabbis. And rabbis are vicious. They play very, very dirty. And they're a conniving mm-hmm. lot. And so the natural inclination would be to say, you know, I, I think I'm going to avoid that battle. But God doesn't do that. That's not what... No. What uh, those who work with and serve Yahweh do, they are not gimels. They do not walk away. Um, They confront. And so, uh, you know, it's why uh, the the word goyim, you know, has the foot's going in the wrong direction. You know, always walking away, always walking away. And so this is a word that says walk away when, when God wants you to stand up, have a backbone, show some character. That was the thing. More than anything else, I think it was the thing that uh, Yahweh liked most about Moshe, is that uh, he was living the best life that a person could possibly live. He saw one of his people being abused, and uh, he had the courage to go confront it and stop it. Um, yeah. That is the most um, important period. aspect of a, of a person's character, and that's the kind of person God wanted to work with. But not these uh, fellows. They are effeminate. They go in the wrong direction. They uh, all they do is flap their lips and their tongues. They are the seed of uh, useless liars and mistaken beliefs. Just looking at the Hasidic gives me the creeps. And evidently, I'm in good company. They are so effeminate with their morning clothes and their curly cues, with their arms the size of straws. They don't work. It's apparent that they have never earned an honest day's living in their lives. Mind you, God loves women, and so do I. 
but these little boys act more like little girls. I suspect that Dode will find the rabbis particularly useless. As Yisrael's most stalwart, stalwart supporter, he will reject them out of hand for their universal failure to lift a finger in the defense of their country. Rabbis claim their authority from the Torah, and yet they are not mentioned in it, other than to be condemned by the prophets. They claim to represent G-D, and yet they despise his name and rebel against his authority. Without reason to boast, they are obnoxious. Yahweh has provided a fitting uh, depiction of today's rabbis, calling them Yaled, the little boys, who Pesha rebelled, rising up in open defiance of his authority. Their religious revolt remains contrary to the established standard of the Torah. These rabbis are shakur, vain and useless liars, fraudulently promoting mistaken beliefs. Their testimony is irrational. It's deceptive, and it's absolutely disappointing. And yet 20% of Jews worldwide guzzle it down as if their diatribes served as a dog returning to its vomit. If you're among them and listening to this, just go away. I doubt you are because you have no access to the Internet. You're scolded if you were to learn anything. You are as disgusting as your religion. God wants nothing to do with you, which makes your lies all the more appalling. Now, rabbis will protest that their title means teacher. And yet that's not true. To instruct and teach in Hebrew. Not true. Yeah. yeah, is lakak. To be a teacher is more. The root of the title rabbi is rab, exalted and great. To grow great. Rabbi yeah. is from rabbi, which means I am great. The verbal root of rabbi meaning to become great. <laughs> Applying this sentiment to oneself conveys arrogance. Listen, God wants us to be great. God's going to empower and enrich us, adopt us as his children. He wants to celebrate uh, magnifying us in every possible way. But it's okay to celebrate what God is doing for us. It's not okay to brag and say, apart from God, I am great. Because apart from God, you're the sum total of the elements that, of which you're comprised. <laughs> and at a store, that's probably about $1.59. The hubris of religion is obviously its essence. Are you among those who burn with lust and rage over the lamb and leadership and under every spreading tree killing the children within the depressions beneath the clefts of the rock? Yahweh asks. That's an interesting reference. Burning with lust and rage. Well, do you know that rabbis per capita are as prone to sexual abuse as our priests? 
I did the, not know that until recently. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the two differences are that um, rabbis um, are, uh, are, have this protective um, um, assembly around them. They they are so beloved, so esteemed, so protected by their constituents that when it is found out that a rabbi is uh, diddling yeah, another man's wife, they the other man's wife is the one who is ostracized, and the rabbi is exonerated. And the rabbis oh. who have had all sorts of inappropriate sexual affairs. Um, are very, very seldom prosecuted. Um, and so as bad as the Roman Catholic Church has been on priestly pedophilia, um, at least now we have, because of the prevalence of it and the number of priests, uh, we have yeah, independent, no yeah, independent uh, jurisdictions um, mm -hmm. exposing them and indicting them. But in Israel... Uh, the government is uh, would be afraid to take a rabbi on. Well, especially if you and, tied them all up in the government parliament to begin with. And that's correct. That's what, correct. What are you going to do? So, that's right. So what are you going to do? Um, so, but they are they they are sexual perverts. There's a huge percentage of them. They have no morals. They are sexual perverts. So that part of it is interesting. And of course, they they are have animosity over the lamb. They have so much animosity over the lamb, it's the one thing that doesn't show up on the Passover plate. They throw one, one meatless bone on the plate, and otherwise they've got a dinner that, that Cain would have delighted in. That's a great insight, by the way. I read that, and I'm just, I don't know, I said, wow. Yeah, how, but how, that's how really it. They've gone right perfect. back to it Cain's is. meal. Cain's offering, yeah. not Abel's. No meat. And, no meat. And they are killing their children, and then under every spreading tree. So I was wondering, huh, what are they talking about under the, uh, the spreading tree? Well, what's interesting here is that there are a whole series of, uh, of rabbinical passions over trees. Uh, one lies in, in Tu Ba Shabbat the 15th day of Shabbat, which is celebrated as Rosh Hashanah La Lanat, the new year of the trees. It's one of four new years in the rabbinical calendar, and it's presented in the Mishnah for the purpose of establishing an annual cycle of tithes, opportunity to enrich them, of course, which they receive as a religious mandate. It is similarly promoted in the Talmud and in Kabbalistic and uh, Hasidic literature. It is morphed into the Israeli Arbor Day. Now, this was something that uh, Mike, uh, our fact checker, came up with, but I just thought it was brilliant. He said, even yeah. uh, this insight is that even in their malfeasance, there are insights into the rotting hearts of rabbis. Fifteen would typically be written yod Hey. 10 plus 5 equals 15. But since this spells Yah, because you've got 10 is the Yod and 
five is the hey and the uh, and the numering numbering system of Hebrew. That spells Yah. The, that was the name of their nemesis, the name that should never be spoken. The rabbis went with nine plus six, tetwa. <laughs> That's just amazing. Mm-hmm. Further, the yeah. rabbis chose to impose their assembly in Shabbat, which means scepter, thereby staking their dominion over Yah. Gotcha, boys. Yep, you can't go up against our fact checker and prevail. Rabbinical malfeasance has been Ra'anan spread far and wide, not only with the Jews and uh, diaspora, but with the Jewish contributions to Christianity, to Islam, and to socialist secular humanism. These deep and dark depressions of religious thought have killed more children than all of man's other institutions and civilizations combined. And every child forced into Hasidic Judaism by his father is destined to die. Hmm. In this regard, Ra'anan is based on Ra, which is to disseminate evil. The two nuns indicate that the recipients of this evil, the victims, are children. Likewise, Nachal also denotes disease and infliction, uh, an infliction of a mortal and incurable wound. Further, the same three letters speak of taking a possession, especially an inheritance right. The associations with stealing a child's inheritance and of spreading disease are especially appropriate when viewed from a religious context. Further, the root of Sheif, translated clefs, is likely Sheif. It means disloyalty, twisted thinking, despicable and contemptible behavior, moral corruption, and Torahlessness. Rendered in this manner, the rabbis were killing their own children, taking their inheritance, which was to be with God, by way of their own disloyal, twisted, and despicable behavior. So even in a line that you just read it and say, okay, so he's waxing poetic, you know, he's talking about trees and clefts and, and the, uh, the like. When you actually study the words, there's a pretty good explanation as to how the religious leadership of Yisrael is killing their own children. Any of the words there that you analyzed you wanted to uh, talk about, Kirk? And, uh, well, no, no, I'm just, I, I do it, I do it, you know, so many times just to uh, find out if there's anything else, any more uh, crumbs on the table, so to speak. But no, mm-hmm. all these are good and the, all the letters verify it. For the most part, each time I do the letters, I find that that's another layer added to the thing. Mm-hmm. You analyze the letter, each one of the letters. So, uh, Nothing, nothing that uh, needs to break in this time, but it's still uh, pretty, pretty cool stuff. I mean, it's exactly yeah. right. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not patting you on the back just to pat you on the back. I'm, I, no. I've done this for years and years. Uh, and mm-hmm. It's just, boy, this is, and everybody should be doing this if you have should any be. qualms about oh. this, because yes. this is not only I do it if, if we never talk about it. I do, I do the same thing, and I have miles yeah. of material, but, but yeah. it, it, it helps me. 
Yeah, it's why yeah. Uh, these new the new translations I think are better is that it's just taking more time and and we're able to make better connections so that you understand the words. Mm -hmm. for, for example, this last statement that we just read, if rather than saying just the simplistic term for each word, we looked at the basis of each word, its actionable root. This is what God yes. just said of the rabbis. He said, you spread out and grow rich by taking the lives of children, spreading disease and stealing their inheritance under the auspices of highly twisted thinking and despicable behavior. That's what the words mean. Now, mm -hmm. continuing to use symbolic language to, uh, um, as a play on words and to dress down the religious dress-ups, this is what we uh, find next. This is Yeshaya 57.6. Your fate, <laughs> uh, grave and inheritance, are among the smooth-talking and insulting flatterers and thieves who destroy. They, there they go as your lot, and so to them you have poured out drink offerings, uplifting grain offerings. For these things shall I relent and change my mind. So your fate, your share and reward, your apportionment, reflecting your choice, is the grave. Your inheritance is among the smooth-talking and flattering thieves. There they go as your lot. And so to them you have poured out drink offerings, uplifting grain offerings. You know, they, the rabbis have a, their own version of everything. There's a, you know, a special fruit that only they have the rights to sell. It's prohibitively expensive. And you know, on a special bouquet of flowers and a special tied-up version of, uh, of some grain, Everything is an opportunity for them to make a nickel by overcharging uh, people. You know, one of the one of the really funny things is that we talked a little about uh, kosher in our last program. Mm -hmm. uh, for those that are following yeah. the news, uh, <clears throat> uh, if you've got Ben and Jerry's in your refrigerator, please throw it out. Oh, if it's I read local, that. I read that. Yes. If it's in your local store, please chastise them for carrying it. Please never buy it again. Uh, ben and Jerry's uh, is. Uh, their board of directors has announced that it isn't uh, consistent with their corporate ethics to uh, have uh, stores and um, the occupied mm -hmm. territory. Now, mind you, almost 100% of the employees and uh, and those stores are uh, are uh, Pakistanians, uh, and yeah. the uh, the owners are mostly uh, Yehudim, uh, and they're selling a uh, a product that is ice cream for crying out loud. Uh, a little um, chilling mostly. Yeah, and to stores that have uh, names for things both in Arabic and in Hebrew and do not discriminate who comes to the store and actually, and most of those store employ more Pakistanians uh, than uh, Yehudim. But nonetheless, they say it's not consistent with their, uh, their values. They've joined the, uh, uh, the uh, BDS um, crowd. Huh? Huh? So I'll let the facts yeah. get in the way, huh? Don't don't let the uh, don't let the facts get in the way of a uh, of a good story. So so the rabbis have um, have uh, are paid money to call Ben and Jerry's kosher. 
So the rabbis now will take a kosher rating away from a, from a restaurant that, that follows all their goddamn rules and that is, uh, um, does everything according to the book. But if they operate that restaurant on the Shabbat, they'll lose their kosher status. So now here is a company who has come out and said, we want the, uh, we think the land belongs to the Fakistinians. Uh, we want them to take it, even though they're terrorizing you, and they all want every Jew dead. We still want to appease them, and we're on their side. And these rabbis, because they're paid money to render Ben and Jerry's kosher, say, oh, no, we're not going to take away their kosher status. We don't give a crap that, that they're uh, leading a crusade to, uh, to destroy Israel. We, we don't care. They can retain their kosher status because they have to pay us for it. Guys are just utter scum. Yeah, no joke. So Yahweh has their, uh, their number, and he is not relenting um, uh, regarding them, and nor should he. You know, and uh, this gets so bad with God, uh, actually so good, with God condemning rabbinic Judaism and rabbis. At one point I said, you know, I, if you're reading this and, and you're just tired of me trashing rabbis, that's not who your argument should be with. I'm just telling you what God yeah. says. If you don't like God trashing rabbinic Judaism, if you think it's anti-Semitic to trash Judaism, take it up with God. Yeah. Well, you can't be, this, yeah, I can't be, <laughs> you can't be anti-Semitic when they won't even pronounce his name. Yeah, yes, well, yeah, because anti-Semitic <laughs> would be against the name. And they, they, and yeah. they themselves are the and most against, against the name. name. So uh, yeah. rabbinic Judaism is the ultimate anti-Semitic organization, because no organization is more against the name. <clears throat> now, God's fair. We all get to choose our fate. We can accept his inheritance or cast our lot among men and see where their flattering talk leads. But be certain of this. Yahweh is not going to change his mind. He is not going to change his approach. You cannot appease him. Heaven comes on his term while hell awaits those who advocate a different approach. You can have hell on your terms, not heaven. Yahweh is saying that he isn't going to change his nature. He's not going to change his covenant to accommodate those who have worked against him to the detriment of his children. The third statement, Yahweh etched in stone, stands as he wrote it. Lifting up and supporting deceitfulness and lifelessness in God's name continues to be unforgivable. Speaking to the Jewish religious leadership, God says, on a high mountain you have arrogantly made your bed, raising it up and advocating it. Additionally, there you ascribed high status to yourselves by slaughtering the living sabak sabak sacrificing life as an act of worship rabbis have indeed made their own bed and in it uh, they will sleep no matter how lofty a perch they have set it upon every edifice they have contrived will come crashing down 
If it were not for the lives they have sacrificed in the name of their religion, no one would care (coughs) about what they have done to themselves. Throughout all of human history, around the globe, clerics and kings have used child sacrifice to drive fear into the hearts of their subjects and thus control them. But the brutal murder of children remains the most heinous crime political and religious leaders have ever perpetrated. And yet, more abhorrent still, at least in the eyes of God, is spiritual assassination of children at the hands of their parents and their religious. This occurs in churches. Yep. Occurs in churches, occurs in synagogues, temples, and mosques. It is our responsibility to educate our children, to expose them to evidence which exists in favor of Yahweh and against all of the other claims to divinity. That way, when they are exposed to false witnesses, they will be forearmed and equipped to deal with the wide variety of threats launched against their souls. Fearful of the truth, the Hasidic deny their children access to the Internet. <laughs> well, now we know why. In this passage, God has also warned us that religions have a bad habit of extending their power and influence by motivating their adherents to plunder and kill all of those who do not capitulate. All too often, the religious warrior is promised admission to paradise along with a dubious list of heavenly rewards for killing others. Now, while Islam is renowned for this, they don't have a patent on it. Shinto, Imperial Japan, had kamikazes, the divine wind. Spartans valued no life and lived to die in battle. The Vikings had stations in Valhalla equivalent in reward to how ferociously one died. Pope Urban II offered the Crusaders a pardon from judgment if they died fighting (laughs) to regain the Holy Land. Returning to the gatekeeper metaphor, Yahweh, speaking through his prophet, predicts that the religious rulers would stake out their claim on the wrong side of the door. This then is Yashaya 57.8. Then lingering at another door and its framework, you have set up and placed your own memorial and maxims. Indeed, separated from me, you have revealed and uncovered your bed. You've climbed into it while enlarging it. Then you establish for yourselves and with them devotees and lovers in whose bed you have beheld and gazed upon their phallus. God's being pretty graphic here. He does not like religion. So he says, lingering at another door, that door is Passover. You linger at Passover's door. And at the framework of this door, the doorway to life, you have set up and placed your own memorial and maxims. They've got a rule for everything that sets on the plate. They've got a prayer for everything you're supposed to say. They've got a ritual for everything you're supposed to do. They've got it all except what Passover actually represents. 
And the single worst part of it all is that the religious rabbis do the same goddamn thing the Christians do. Christians are fixated on what happened on Passover, although they don't ever associate with Passover, and they ignore matzah as if it didn't exist. It's an express ticket to hell, because if you were to actually celebrate Passover and skip matzah, you're eternal and yet corrupted. What do the rabbis do? They've turned matzah into an ingredient. If you read a rabbinic site or go to a rabbinic calendar, there is no mikra of matzah. Matzah is simply an ingredient that is part of Passover. The most important mikra is rendered an ingredient by rabbinic Judaism. Talk about establishing your own memorial maxims. I mean, the truth is that Passover is part of Chag Matzah, as is Bakotam. The celebration is Matzah. Passover is just part of it. But That's to celebrate Passover and, and ignore mm-hmm. the lamb and ignore that it's the doorway to life and only mention matzah as if it were an ingredient and not the most important event to celebrate is to deny all of the benefits for all of the people who listen to you. This is setting up at the framework your own memorial and maxims, your own symbols and signs, proverbs and statements. And when you do that, you are separated from God. It's eternal separation. To celebrate Passover and ignore matzah is to be eternally separated from God. So you've climbed into your bed all right. Uh, You've enlarged it with lots of other uh, religious Jews. Your uh, devotees and uh, lovers with you in your bed, and they do love their rabbis. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Choosing to gaze upon their phallus. You know, um, they uh, treat circumcision, too, as a ritual. One, of course, that they profit from. And they've got a whole ritual associated with it. You know, what did God say about the ritual of, uh, of circumcision? I don't recall it being a ritual. It's just it's, mothers do that to the children. He says, parents, parents, uh, the parents on the eighth day uh, circumcise your sons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did he it. say, you, you, you need to do it with a rabbi present? Did he say no. you need to do this, say this prayer when you do it? Did he say you needed to use <laughs> this instrument? Did he say that instrument needed to be blessed? Did he say you need to pay for it? Did he tell you how much you have to cut off? Who had to cut it off? Is there anything about it? Did he call it a brisk? Is there anything about circumcision that Yahweh says other than on the eighth day, parents, circumcise your sons and do so as a sign so that you can remember. Mm-hmm. That's it. Because it is a sign of the covenant. That's it. So what do rabbis do? They focus on everything but. They, they get fixated on the object just as they get fixated on the ingredient of matzah and miss the entire purpose. They get fixated on their little job doing the little job, and miss the entire purpose. 
you know, one of the things you just never hear a rabbi talking about is the covenant. And another thing oh, you never I hear know. them talking about is the set-apart spirit. You never hear them talk about the set-apart spirit, never hear them talking about the covenant. Never hear them talk about matzah. And they've turned Yom Kippurim into punishment. In a new year. Yeah, I mean, so yeah. I know. Yeah, oh, I mean, boy, what could be worse than God reconciling his relationship with us? If God reconciled his relationship with us, we're out of business. They're spectacular, aren't they? You're separated from me. You've revealed yourselves. Mezuzah. Mezuzah. It's M-A-Z-U-W-Z-A-H. Translated here. I translated framework. It's from Zeus, which uh, means the fullness and abundance of life. If it had not been a rabbinical replacement, this would have been the doorway to heaven, the passageway to eternal life. The door to life is found in the Torah. It's open through the Moed Mikre. To lead Jews in a different direction, rabbis wrote about their alternative in the Talmud. <laughs> Having chosen to make their bed apart from God, and the rabbis, um, therefore, have been exposed by Yashaya. It is therefore a shame that the religious charlatans retain their lovers in spite of this. The sexual abuse crisis pummeling Roman Catholicism, as I've shared, is not exclusive to the pedophile priests. While they have claimed Olympic gold in the all-around perversity, the bronze medal goes to the rabbis, who um, only are only slightly less egregious than Muslims who, of course, have claimed the silver medal for reasons I explained in Prophet of Doom. And true to form, when they are exposed by those they have abused, the Hasidic condemn the victims while rallying rallying around the rabbinical scum. There's a lot of reasons that Islam turned out the way it did. Mm -hmm. And the reason is that much of the Quran was plagiarized by uh, Muhammad paying for Talmud readings from the rabbis. And, you know, even his, this is how to wipe your butt. Well, the, the rabbis mm-hmm. wrote all about That's that. Fair. I mean, everything that, uh, that appears, the, the rabbis had something to say about it. Scum. Recognizing that we turn to this particular passage to affirm the nature and the timing of Teruah Harvest, and we found it. The subsequent material is providing valuable insights into the religious and political landscape that will exist immediately before and after the fulfillment of the invitation to be called out and meet of trumpets. And what we are seeing here is that Judaism is now on center stage because it is what Yehudim will be saved from as we progress towards Yom Kippurim. In this uh, next statement, the Dead Sea Scrolls confirm what the rabbis have, or that the rabbis have modeled their religion after Moloch, the Ammonite and Phoenician sun god, whose religious rituals Yahweh condemned repeatedly, calling Moloch the harlot and the whore of Babylon. I think the whore of Babylon may well be the Babylonian Talmud, however. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
admonitions against Moloch. Yeah, yeah the uh, the whore of Babylon. Uh, so admonitions against Moloch and his veneration can be found in Kara Leviticus 25, where Yahweh says he will separate himself from those who chase after this whore. And Yahshua Isaiah 30:33, we learn that hell was created for Satan in the guise of Moloch and that fire and brimstone will be his lot. Moloch is called a detestable idol in Malachim, 1 Kings 11.7. He is the abomination of Ammon in 2 Kings 23.13. Moloch's religion is excoriated in Kara Leviticus 18.21 and 22-5. Malachim, 2 Kings 23.10. Yermiah, Jeremiah. 3235, mm. saying that honoring Moloch profanes, profanes the name of Yahweh. Yeah, the, so, Israel, the Israelites, the northern tribes, they loved him. They loved him, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, uh, the sacrificed case. The they actually sacrificed the children to him. God. Mm-hmm. So, okay. I mean, God's got to be disgusted. He was disgusted. God reveals that anyone who performs a religious rite in Moloch's honor will lose their life. And uh, they are told that Lord Baal, Satan's most common title, and Moloch are one and the same. They built shrines to Baal and caused their children to pass through the fires of Moloch, which is an abomination. So Moloch and the Lord, yeah, one and the same. So what is the God's name of uh, and rabbinic Judaism? It sure as hell ain't Yahweh. It is the Lord. I, the Lord. Yeah, so if you're a rabbinic Jew and you're saying, well, we don't worship Moloch, well, uh, God named him uh, Baal. Yeah. And you sure as hell do uh, worship Baal. Uh, well, second to your my own Lord. rabbis. Yeah, my Lord. Yeah. These associations considered, let's proceed. You descended, you descended toward Moloch the king of the gods, the god of the Ammonites and Phoenicians, whom the Israelites sacrificed their infant sons in the valley of Henan, from Malak to become a sovereign ruler, with oil and with numerous perfumes, along with their uh, your medicinal ointments, sending out delegations of your anguished envoys as witnesses into perpetuity, into the distant separation of the humbling and lowly status endured upon reaching Sheol. Well, we're not broadcast anymore. We are still recording. Let's set. Uh, oh, we are? Oh, yeah. Let's, yeah, let's, tack, let's tackle this. Uh, it's saying okay. that you descended toward Moloch, who Yahweh has um, named the Lord. Mm-hmm. Right. You did so with your anointing oil. And with numerous perfumes and medicinal ointments, you made a big deal out of the Lord, sending out delegations of your envoys, and they uh, were witnesses into perpetuity, into the separation and the humbling of a lowly status of separation that will follow, endured upon reaching Sheol. So Sheol is diminishment, it is separation, Mm -hmm. it comes from sending out delegations um, whose witness speaks of, yeah, mm-hmm. that speaks of uh, honoring the Lord. So if you have a religion where your God is known as the Lord, which would be true of Islam, Christianity, mm-hmm. and Judaism, Absolutely. if that's yeah. your Lord, then you understand that your witness is degrading and that it will ultimately deliver you to the humility and lowly status of uh, 
of, of those experienced in, uh, in Sheol. Sheol is oh, hell. It is the place of separation yeah. from God. But, I find it interesting that you, you're in the same sentence you've identified Paul. <laughs> oh, yes, and of little course. And Sheol. Yeah. Yeah, just, yes, uh, endured upon uh, same, same nature, same upon reaching same Paul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one of the reasons that it's hard for me <clears throat> to to render this Shaul, uh, Shaul and Sheol are spelled exactly the same oh, way. Oh, no, I know. And, and, yeah, and normally I, I it would identifies it as make, hell, as yeah, well. make yeah. a big yeah. point when uh, Yahweh speaks of it, is that God is condemning uh, rabbis. Now, to be fair, what did Paul claim to be? He claimed to be a rabbi. Right. The best In fact, not only did he claim to be a rabbi, he claimed that he was the best of rabbis and that he was the top student of uh, Gamaliel. Yeah. So he didn't just claim to be a rabbi. He actually said, I was the best of the rabbis. Man, I was a super student <laughs> as oh. a rabbi. Magnus Humkani. Yeah. And so uh, so the, it does fit in terms of, of uh, a rabbi um, here and taking people on a downward journey to Sheol by worshiping yeah. the Lord and by yeah. Shimon anointing uh, someone who does not deserve to be anointed. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Sending out delegations of uh, anguished, <clears throat> anguishing envoys. Think of the, the delegations of, of Roman Catholics and Christians that tormented, tormented God's people. So you're right. Uh, it's, uh, I probably should have included Paul in this. I, it, um, I guess I'm, <clears throat> I'm getting it's so necessary. far. It's just, I'm, I'm so, my, my ears perk up when I, when I see lowly and little. You know, it's like the uh, father of lies and so forth. I've yeah. been, been called because I've read yes. uh, questioning Paul so much. And Sheol and Sheol being spelled the same yeah. way and identify them as yeah. both in yeah. the place of questioning or man of shaking yeah. questions. So, yeah, yeah, and yeah, the Sermon on the Mount, Yahweh said the world of clothing will be uh, known mm-hmm. as uh, the, the person who besmirches uh, the, uh, the Torah, who uh, degradates the Torah and diminishes it, uh, who is, of course, Sheol Paul, uh, that, that that individual would be known in heaven as lowly and little. And the yeah. name, the Latin name, that the Roman name that Paul chose for himself uh, Paulos mm-hmm. means lowly and little, so that that is the connection uh, there. And of course, well, never Sheol and, and Shaul Paul are are the same name. Well, Sheol and Shaul, which was Paul's given name, are the uh, the same name. The name that he has condemned, and he was in fact a a, a rabbi that that separated um, many uh, Jews initially, and then Goyim, um, so that they would all end mm-hmm. up in in in, uh, in hell. Uh, so that's there is a. Uh, I just never saw these people walking so much in step, you know, until till we start till you started doing this till I started reading this. I mean, they're just locking step on so much. I mean, yeah. it's the same crap over and over. Yeah, I just never and thought my, of it uh, that way. My, I guess my um, excuse for not identifying oh, it's this not necessary. It's, 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 no, it was the fact yeah. that that. Uh, by this time in Yashaya, uh, yeah. God will go out of his way to condemn uh, Gentiles in mass. Mm-hmm. But sure. he is basically saying that my problem is, is 
religious rabbis and religious Jews. That's the problem. And, and so almost all of the prophecies pertaining to the fulfillment of Teruah and Kippurim leading up to Sukkah uh, are excoriating rabbis and rabbinic Judaism. And so it's with all of the focus on the things like, for example, God would speak of the Torah of the, the mouth and of your Torah. Well, there's only one religion that has their own Torah in Judaism. Uh, so since it's all attacks on Judaism, it's, uh, it's hard to say, well, you know, this also includes Christianity because that was that dude's name. And he, uh, he chose lowly and literally as Paulos. His given name was Shaul. And um, he uh, was now they want to be rabbi. You did it right. You wanted to yeah. be focused on the rabbis and not, not get dissuaded and, and go somewhere else. So I, I, I didn't mean to bring it up other than it was so obvious to me. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. a, uh, you know. And I, I get tunnel vision uh, in in doing this. Be, no, you know, I'm saying very for the very reason that uh, that and you should. Uh, yeah, that you know, I think I've uh, I've uh, beat the the nails in the coffin of uh, Shaul <laughs> through <laughs> questioning good. Paul to the point where we've got four volumes, each of which is about uh, you know 500 pages. Yeah, so yeah. there's Gotcha. Uh, a little over 2,000 pages. I think there's 2,300, 400 pages of material condemning uh, Shaul. That, that, that's probably up there being close to enough. Uh, but, yeah, yeah this, I think uh, so. this too has him. It's the, yeah. Now, this is the ultimate place of departure. Uh, those harvested by Yahweh on Teruah are escorted to heaven, while those dispatched by the rabbis are sent away to Sheol. We can descend with the religious or we can ascend in the relationship. Either way, up or down, there is uh, very little time. Um, and so because the checkout time is approaching, you may want to consider um, your choices before booking reservations. Now, based upon all we have learned about Sheol, this place of separation from the light, of perpetual incarceration where nothing escapes, of being infinitely diminished except in time. It is very, very similar to a black hole. And to think that the rabbis are sending their own devotees there and charging them for while denying its existence, which they do, is reprehensible. And one of the most interesting things about rabbinic Judaism is they take some really extraordinary stances. You know, they, they say that God is incorporeal. And yet God constantly uses terms like face, hands, feet, stance. Mm-hmm. Um, he speaks of, uh, of meeting with, uh, okay. with the, the likes of, uh, of uh, Moshe and eating with him, um, uh, meeting with and dining yeah. with uh, Abraham, uh, meeting and, uh, yeah, and with, with, with uh, Jacob. <coughs> and... Uh, and in the passage that I read from Malachi, he actually has a word that says, you know, I'm just one, and yet I have a corporeal nature and a spiritual nature. Still just one of me, but I can present myself corporeally. And the rabbis will deny that he has a corporeal nature. Uh, then, you know, the, the rabbis will, uh, will deny his name. 
and they'll say, you know, 10, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, no one knows how to pronounce it, and and yet they have their own Torah, and Torah tells you how to pronounce it, T-O-W-R-A-H. Yeah. It's pretty clear how to. Yeah, we uh, didn't put the it. we didn't put the point you know, system in. They did. The uh, the rabbis also deny a shield, a hell, and yet how many times does Yahweh talk about it? So you can deny it all you want. It doesn't make it go away. They also mm. deny salvation. That There is no salvation in rabbinic Judaism. I don't know if you know that. There's none. They don't believe in salvation. Okay, it's starting uh, to sound like Islam. I don't know what, don't know what they do. Oh, well, no, in, in Islam there is... No, no, uh, they, got, no they, get, they get a happy place, don't they? So. Oh, they got a happy place. Oh, yeah. Go to the happy place. Yeah, Multiple yeah. virgins and... and uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, lovely, uh, lovely couches and and the finest foods and every uh, the Islamic heaven has everything but Allah. Allah spends all of his time in hell. In hell, uh, of course. But, yeah. yeah, of course. <laughs> but, but nonetheless, uh, yeah, rabbinic Judaism has no uh, no plan of salvation because there is no salvation. You're, you're doing all of this uh, to leave the world a better place. They uh, they say you're. You're striving to be righteous and and to do what's best for your fellow man. And of course, uh, they How say that while, while while none of them work, they, none of them make a contribution of any kind. They they treat their women like uh, well worse than we would treat a domesticated animal. Uh, they uh, deprive their children of any growth or any opportunity to make a contribution. They they don't do anything that enhances the world in any way, totally self-centered, and yet they believe that their claim of salvation is to be uh, righteous so that they leave the world uh, better than they found it. Talk about deluded. But that's the nature of rabbinic duty. You're doing it all for nothing. I don't know why you do it, but you're doing it all for nothing because... There is no salvation, and of course they don't think there's any uh, any hell. Their God is uh, is unknown. They uh, they worship the rabbis. They they even call their own Talmud uh, a Torah, so they don't have to uh, ignore the fact that Yahweh has one, and they can pretend to be Torah observant. Where God said, "No, you're unobservant." Yeah, the the truth is no shamar yeah. that uh, rabbinic Judaism has been more lethal to Jews than um, Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Greece, Germany, Imperial Rome, and the Roman mm-hmm. Catholic Church, even the Muslims and Nazis combined. Yeah, I see that now. The, the single most lethal force on Jews is rabbinic Judaism. If it were not for rabbinic Judaism, there never would have been any one of the three Roman assaults on Judea. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to know what happens if if you are really Torah observant and you listen to Yahweh, go check out Hezekiah. When uh, 85,000 uh, Syrian troops uh, descended upon Jerusalem and God wiped them out while uh, the inhabitants of Jerusalem didn't lift a finger other than to celebrate Pesach. If it wasn't for rabbinic Judaism, there would have been no Roman assaults. There would have been no diaspora. 
and without the Roman assaults and the uh, and Dispora, there would have been uh, no place for Christianity to uh, to get a foothold. If it hadn't been for Rabbi taking Yahweh's name out of His Word, no one would believe that uh, Jesus was God. If the rabbis had actually celebrated Pesach, Matzah, and Bakudim correctly, then there'd been no way to voice the notion of a resurrected uh, Passover lamb. Mm-hmm. There would have been no chance for uh, Christianity to take hold and to torment Jews for 2,000 years. There would have been no Islam, because without rabbinic Judaism and the Babylonian Talmud, there is no Quran. Jews have manufactured their own enemy, and they have withdrawn from Yah's providence and protection by having angered him and attacked him and diminished his uh, credibility and besmirched his name and invalidated his covenant and, uh, and besmirched his Torah. If it had not been for rabbinic Judaism, there would have been none of this. The Holocaust mm-hmm. would not have happened. So, well, that well, does not exonerate does not exonerate the Nazis, does not exonerate the Muslims, does not exonerate the Roman Catholic Church, does not exonerate Imperial Rome, does not exonerate the Babylonians or the Assyrians or the Greeks or the Mitzrayim, the Egyptians. It is to tell you that for the past 2,200 years, the most deadly influence, the most debilitating influence over Israelites and Yehudim have been rabbis and that nothing of the hell that they have endured would have happened if rabbis had not hijacked the Torah, Yahweh's testimony and his covenant. So the very people who claim that they define who is Jewish are the very people who have disassociated Yehudim from their name. And that is the, that is the message that is contained in these latter chapters of Yashayah. It is the message of Zechariah. It is the message of Malachi. Either Zechariah or Malachi is the last of God's prophets. And rather than them predicting the rise of rabbinic Judaism, they condemn it. Wow. So uh, we have we have an enemy, uh, and for the foreseeable future, I, I, I you know, I, I stand corrected and said yes. This uh, I should have referenced uh, Paul here, but. We, we've done our, our part to, um, to expose and condemn Christianity. There's really nothing more that needs to be said. Uh, I've done my part to expose and condemn uh, Islam. Nothing more needs to be said. No, absolutely. Uh, the, uh, the most deadly religion, the one that for the next um, 12 years, Yahweh is the most focused on exposing and condemning and liberating his people from um, is Judaism. I have to be a little bit careful from that. God is not trying to save religious Jews. He hates them. 
Mm-hmm. He is trying to save Jews from the religion. Mm-hmm. So the Jews who are not captivated by the religion, the Jews who are still open to the truth, the Jews who will consider the Torah, the, the Jews who are still searching for Yahweh, who are still open to Yahweh, who are interested in embracing their, their name again. He wants to save them from the nasty effects of the rabbis upon Jewish society and Jewish culture. And so I don't know how many Yehudim will find their way home. Um, I don't know in the end. And our, our mission is to make the truth available, to do what has to be done. Uh, we have to well, expose and condemn Islam mm-hmm. because it seeks to uh, eradicate Jews. Yeah, we knowledge, have to expose, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and condemn Christianity because no religion has ever been as hostile to God's people. As yeah, the Christian world hates them too. Yes. Yeah. And they need to understand that that uh, the the New Testament isn't from God, uh, and they need to understand how. Both of those religions are wrong so that they have an appreciation of why it's appropriate to to expose and uh, condemn them, to be opposed to them, which Israel doesn't understand at this point. They do not know how to speak against Islam. They do not know how to speak against Christianity. And that's because they don't know how how to speak against rabbinic Judaism. So it's, it's essential because the covenant requires us first and foremost to walk away from our societies, our religion, our politics, that we give God's people the tools to do that. And since there is no one in Israel, there is no Jew with the courage, the compassion to do what we're doing to excoriate Judaism and to use Yahweh's words against rabbinic Judaism, uh, that mission has fallen squarely in our lap, and we're not going to back away from it. So you're going to hear a lot about why the rabbis are wrong, because God is fundamentally opposed to them, and he can't reconcile his relationship with Yehudim or Israel until they have enough of them separated, have yeah. separated yeah. themselves from this uh, horrible, debilitating religion. And so that's why he focuses on it. And what God focuses on, guess what? We, we do too. On. Yeah, we do too. Hallelujah. Um, yeah. So it's, 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 and when you do that, you're rewarded. And so we're going to continue to do what we have uh, done, and um, and as I say, while we're on the subject of, uh, you know, of the Day of Reconciliations, God wants his people to know what the relationship is being reconciled from, why it is broken, and the answer is Judaism. We are not being anti-Semitic when we denounce Judaism because it's Judaism yeah. that is anti-Semitic. That's right. Absolutely so right. exposing, exposing something that is anti-Semitic is being pro-Shem, not anti-Shem. 
Mm-hmm. All right. Well, it's been a pleasure okay. to be with you. I look forward to being with you yes, uh, uh, next week. Um, Asher says hello to everybody. She was right here at my feet listening to the whole show. She gave it a, a, a two paws up. So, hey, two uh, paws up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, two, two paws up. Uh, we look forward right, to yeah, you uh, next week. Shabbat shalom to uh, everyone. Uh, again, thank Shabbat you for one and all for uh, what you have done. We've, uh, over these, here, this here. last year, we have come so far in, in um, improving the quality of uh, these books, uh, of uh, yeah. wow. getting them re- republished and represented in the, and with the website and uh, and everything that and the content and the translations and the the whole presentation, we've come further in the last year, I think, than we did in the 19 years preceding it. So I'm I'm excited and thrilled by what the next year is going to offer, and we look forward to having more and more um, Yehudim and Goyim alike uh, come to know uh, Yahweh and choose to be part of His covenant. Happy uh, Shabbat, Shabbat Shalom. We'll be with you this time next week. Okay. Thank you, Yada. Sure. Night. Night.